need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak ceiling. Yes. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash clock, honey. It's two o'clock. It's Mutiny Radio. It's time for some call me Tim. Alright, some call me Tim here every Wednesday at two o'clock. The show where we talk about belief and people and what they believe in and morality and Sometimes Westworld, sometimes conspiracy theories. We had a person talk about cats and burritos once, surprisingly enough. I have today special guest, Coral Best. Hello, everyone. Comedian and fun employed person. Very exciting for you to be Facebook living this. Also streaming out there on MutinyRadio.fm. Excited you're here. Look into the deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus. And, Sparkle uh, Jesus. And I thought it was Sparkly Jesus. My apologies. Either way, either way, you can okay. you can make nicknames for him too. Sure. Do you, hey Zeus, do you believe in Jesus? You know that's a great question because I get that question often. Um, I am Jewish. Oh, okay. And you know, without causing too much controversy, I believe that I believe that Jesus was around. I believe he he is true and and potentially he did cause a lot of miracles to come, you know, wow. to happen and maybe he was an extension of God, but as a Jewish person, I do not believe he was the son of God. Huh. And we I believe in, you know, more of a universe and existential being, but you know, I do believe in one God. But I thought the Jews were waiting for the Messiah. Aren't aren't you? No. You're not there's no there's no like definitely not oh, okay so i thought that like the reason that jews didn't believe jesus was the son of god is because somebody else was coming to 
deliver them? Is there anything about... You know, I'm not going to say that I'm the most, you know, religious person at all when it comes to Judaism. That's why I'm more, I'm more of a spiritual, you know, as lame as that sounds. I know that's... No, it doesn't sound lame. I'm more of a spirit... You know, I really feel a strong connection with the universe and I feel a lot of guidance. Really? Oh, yes. So, like, examples, like, if you're getting on a bus or something's happening in your life. Yes. Okay, here's an example. Okay. So, I'm looking to move homes right now and I found the most perfect place to live with friends in downtown and I was going to live with all couples which I had no problem with <gasps> they contacted me a day later and said you know what we think it might cause a strange dynamic to have a single person among all these couples huh um we're going to continue on you know without without having you move in and I was like you know what the universe is bringing better things even though I was already meditating on moving into that home and making it my own I was like the universe is bringing me better things yesterday yeah the same girl contacted me and said one of the couples dropped out and we'd be happy to have you. Wow. And I was like, you know what? I connected with that home, especially because I believe in angel numbers and the house number is 222. And right when I pulled up, I was like, I'm going to live here. Huh. I get a lot of signals. Um, cool. Also, since this Wait, is... Wait, so, but going yeah, back. Tell me, tell me, Pam, living, Talk to me. Living with couples. Yes. That is tough because do they get to split... So it's it's yeah. So that's the thing is when they split a room, they split the rent. But you guys all have to share all of the group areas, and so you should pay less rent because you're just a one person. That's the dynamic I always have a problem with if I've ever been living with. And then they can gang up on you. Couples can gang up on you. Yes, that's true. And I'm taking a risk, but like I said, I really believe in if you just kind of let the wind carry you, Mm. um, you end up where you're supposed to be. It's very zen. It's it's something I'm working on. I can't say that I'm always you know. holding true to it but I really believe that the person the place that you are right now wherever you may be sitting or driving or listening to this you're meant to be there for some reason and if you would just open your eyes and start seeing the blessings all around you you might even get affirmations you know or or confirmation that you are in the right place like it's hard to explain well it's a it's a mindset right so that's it takes the same amount of energy to be angry as it does to be happy. It takes the same amount of energy to be sad as it does to be happy. It's like a mindset. It's, if, if, if There's an impetus that one's body puts into any situation. And it's the same. I think it's the same amount of energy. But whether we choose to mm-hmm. be happy or we choose to be like disappointed, that's our choice, isn't it? Or um, I don't know if that's, that's... That's really tough because I really struggle with depression. Oh. And I te- I'm definitely not the kind of person to be like, you know, you should be happy. You huh. should have a, you know, appreciate things in your life and this and that. But there is something to gratitude uh-huh. that really improves the quality of your life. Ah. Um, and also, so recently I got broken up with. I was oh. in a very long relationship. How many years? Okay, so it's kind of complicated because we were only really making the relationship work, you know exclusively you know for a year okay. but we had been falling in love for two years that's, that's a, but so you had a relationship for three years right and it takes well, two like two years like two it takes i've heard that it takes half the time of the length of your relationship to get over the relationship that's what i've heard too and maybe maybe that's a you know maybe that's true but at first i saw nothing good from the breakup i said this mm. is like bullshit why would the universe do this to me i think mm. i know what i want in my life and i want this man in my life ah. and now that it's been about a month i'm kind of seeing that there are hidden blessings yeah um my comedy has taken a, a turn uh, for a little bit more of the darker side. Cool. Yeah, it's great. My new opener. <laughs> I just performed at the Punchline last night. Congratulations. Thank you. How was that? Whose show was it? 
Um, it was Jason Mack's show, uh, Real Live Comedians, oh, and cool. I was added to the bill very last minute, and I was so in shock and honored to be on that stage. Cool. Um, but, wait, so... So you said you have a new opening joke that's dark. Oh, that's right. Here we go. I was like, all right, I lost myself there. So I go, I go on stage, and, I, and I, get, I tell everybody, so everyone, I'm single. I'm recently single, and I am so ready to start crying any second because <laughs> everyone thinks you're excited He's, about it. Everyone yeah. thinks you're going to say mingle and exactly. instead you say, that's that's funny. And you know what? I realized last night too that it's really about delivering it like you really are about to start crying because the truth is I am hurting mm. and I'm being vulnerable and people love vulnerability. Sure they do. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry that happened to you. I um, mean, but... Did I mean, they move? What? I mean, what happened? Okay, I mean... You don't have to talk about it No, 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 I don't really mind. I don't really mind. Uh, I it, I really am a particular type of person, as I think most comedians or people who are drawn to comedy are. And it's hard for me to find someone that really fits with me. But unfortunately, I think without realizing it, I kind of let a lot of the romance die. Oh, you brushed your teeth in front of him. <laughs> much, much worse. You pooped in front of him. Uh, yeah. You, once you kind poop, of yeah. Once you poop in front of him, it's kind of I sh- I shuttle my boyfriend out the door. He came in and tried to show me something on the other day when I was on the toilet, and I was like, "Get the fuck out of here! Like, yeah. what are you doing? Why That's would a good you move. do that to me? That's a good move. <laughs> you have to you have to you know it's about to making sure that courtship is still there. I'm not saying you right. can't be really close with your partner, but we were just having <laughs> less dates. We were yeah. honestly a lot of the foreplay was cut out of the sex, which sure. was a huge problem I was realizing because what everybody needs to realize is that foreplay is more than just getting worked up before you have sex. It's forming that connection with the person. Yeah. And I don't know. I was so focused on comedy and this new direction that my life is going in that I just let my relationship slip out of my hands. And, oh, yeah. And I, I, I get you. Yeah. yeah. And I'm reflecting on that now and I know what not to do in the future. And I also really value their relationship. And that's the kind of attitude that I think people should take toward, toward breaks, breakups if they're not like a shitty, nasty end where someone did something really horrible to the other person. Right. That's I, You know, I always... I never... When I was younger, well, I was married for a long time, so that's different. And I, I have not maintained a relationship with my ex-husband only because he's married and has kids now and who cares. Um, but I used to not maintain relationships with people after I dated them. And it made I made a change. And now I've sort of... I'm friends. Like I'm really good friends with some of my ex-boyfriends. Like, really, really good friends. And my new boyfriend of almost five years... He's not threatened by that at all, which I think is amazing. That he's is even, amazing. He's even become really good friends with them. Good for him. And it's so funny because like we're all really good friends and and I'm fine. But there was this one guy who told me, Drew, and he was the first boyfriend that I ma- remained friends with. And he'd say, why wouldn't you remain friends with your ex-girlfriend? Like, why wouldn't you? Well... I could, I'll tell you why because sometimes sometimes it hurts too much to be around someone that you've been romantically in love with and that is something that I'm trying to keep in the back of my mind when I do see my ex because we are oh. trying we are remaining friends oh gotcha it, sometimes it just hurts yeah um, once you've seen somebody someone in such an intimate light uh, and to take a step back man that is a knife to the heart sure yeah um, but I also feel like in this in this cruel world, if you could find anyone that you really, that brings you joy and that you get along with, if you can make that relationship and friendship last, then you should. Sure. Yeah. I mean, relationship as in, as in like 
not romantic relationship. Right, 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 right. Well, and that's the thing is one of my ex-boyfriends who I've remained amazingly good friends with and he's a really good, great guy. I just, I mean, that was the thing is I realized like, I want to, I want to just be friends with you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't want to have all the, but, but it, be, it got to a point where I was like, I need this. I needed so much emotionally. I needed so much from him and it wasn't fair to put those expectations on him because he couldn't yeah. fulfill them. And then I'd get mad at him for not fulfilling my expectations that he could never have handled. Like he's an amazing human being and I love him forever as a person, but there were things in the relationship that weren't working. And I like sort of had to face that as a reality and like now things are better and it was difficult, but it was just like, it also wasn't fair. For, he knew he was unhappy too. In the relationship, we were both unhappy. Now that we're all it just friends, it sounds very similar Everybody, to what just happened to me. Yeah, I was putting a lot of expectations on him, and he's such a great friend to me. But I am an intense girlfriend. I <laughs> if you've seen me perform comedy, you know I'm an intense person. <laughs> <laughs> a handful, and it, but it's but then I also feel like you have to honor your own feelings and be who you are. You, you, you can't pretend to be somebody else right which i, w- I was trying to be easier right i was trying to be easier because i loved him so much and but like how like what yeah. like you were doing the dishes or like you were um you were trying not to cry on the bus like what were you <laughs> i, so I those was things that i, I was trying uh we have uh, so he's just in a very di- he's very introverted and mm. he's into very different things than me mm. so for instance he loves like minor league stuff huh so we live in san jose and we go to the san jose giants a lot and if you would have asked me in the past like do you want to go to a san jose giants baseball game i would have been like why the hell would i do that (laughs) are you paying me to do this but then it kind of became a really fun thing there's like nobody there because san jose has so much to offer nobody goes to the minor league baseball things (laughs) um it's beautiful you're under it's it's great you're under the stars they have wonderful food there's like a really great family atmosphere i'm one of those people that like talk other people's kids cool the last time i was there they kept on hitting balls into the stands to the point where it rained baseballs on my my boyfriend and i and a family and we went home with like six baseballs i mean cool instead of being one in a ton of fans you're like one of the only like when you say things like you know way to go jordan or whoever your favorite player is they hear you they look at you they're like okay he's like better than high school if you're, you know, it really is worth a really, it's worth well, it. Well, you know, and that's the thing is you can actually go watch a game like that. Like if I go to a, watch a high school baseball game, someone's going to be like, who's the creepy old lady in the stands? No, who, that's, <laughs> that's Brian's mom. It's always safe to go with a general name. That's great. That's what I would do if I crashed a wedding, a Jewish wedding. I would just be like, who am I? That's I, mom. Yeah, yeah, I'm Amir's sister. Oh, that's just, funny. Yeah. Just some Israeli name, sure, you know. Sure. Oh, that's great. It wow. could probably, especially, it depends. This is what I'm realizing too. So. I'm a waitress by day, mm-hmm. and if I smile at a table first thing, they're already very likely to go along with whatever I'm about to tell them, and it's a good time, you know, to kind of upsell and plug really expensive dishes. Uh, yeah. But it's a similar thing with comedy. I think a lot of people are deadpan comedy, and that's their thing sure. to be kind of serious, but I did notice that when I smile at the audience, they just like, they're hoping I'm funny. <laughs> they're like, well, isn't, I love her smile. Let's hope they she's have, got jokes. They have expectations. Their expectations are already met. A little bit. And just then they, make, they go along with the rest of you. Try it's, smiling at every person you speak to and see what that does for your day. You, you know what? You're exactly right. My ex-husband used to say, he used to work at, well, we, 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 lived, well, he, we used to go to UC San Diego together. And during his senior year, he worked at this 
thing called Edna. And Edna was where you would call up and ask questions, information, and it was in the price center and they'd schedule things, whatever. And he would be in a bad mood or whatever and he'd just say, I have to smile all day. And if you just force yourself to smile, all of a sudden you're in a good mood. Like if you force yourself to smile at three people and you try to make yourself look pleasant, suddenly you actually feel more pleasant. So I, I, I think it's kind of magical. I think it really comes with another kind of like belief, which is that making other people happy makes you happy. Um, I realized this right, kind of Jesus. early on. Yeah. <laughs> I realized this kind of early on. Honestly, like, you know why comedy feels like such a, such a high when you're up there? Because people are responding positively to you and you're, you're making them happy with your, with your talent. So. Right. And I, and I also love yeah. attention. So everybody wins. <laughs> there you go. Attention's good. Attention's good. I'm like, look I, at love, me. I love attention. I mean, I, I mean, love me, seek. Look at me. I love good attention. I don't love negative or, you know, dramatic attention. That's. Did, did, as a child, were you said, I mean, you're, you're an intense person. As yeah. a child, were you negative attention seeking or were you just positive attention seeking and it worked out for you? Or That's a was great there question. A combination of That's both? a great question. I was told, so before I really was like a developed personality where I was speaking words, I was a very, very likable toddler because I was always laughing but if I wasn't laughing I was fucking crying and you just didn't want that or you don't want that around you what were so, you crying about um you, you I think I've had a strong being? personality since I was really young my mom for instance said that she, I would not let people change my clothes that's just wasn't so get this my don't mom is manhandle so, me no that my makes mom's sense. so bougie that she had the woman next door who was like taking care of all the neighborhood kids she would pay her to change my outfits in the morning. I was that stubborn of a child, but I was so pleasant when I was pleasant that it was kind of worth it. Huh. And maybe that's exactly what I am right now, you know? I try to be okay. You know, I try to be extra extra nice so that, you know, my setbacks aren't as bad. And I do a thing and it's a behavior that I've it's been called out with many people and it's something that I don't know if I should curb or not, but they call it cute and gifting. So I cute and gift away. For example, I have, whenever I have beef with another comedian, if something happens, if something happens and I hurt someone's feelings, I say something mean, I'm drunk and do something dumb, or I say something terrible, or I piss someone off on the internet, whatever, okay? Yeah. I know that we've, they've forgiven me when I give them a pot treat and they accept it. So there's a comedian who's been mad at me since... January and he called me out for something and yelled at me at one point and I was like I don't know what the problem is dude and so I've just been kind of like around him and it's fine and I all of a sudden last night he let it go and I was like I finally worked and I don't know and then at at the end I tried to cute and gift it away by I said would you like a would you like a a pot treat and he's like no no I'm cool but I knew that we were okay because Anyways, so and that's I, nice to offer. It's showing that you're kind of letting down your. I'm not trying to fight. I'm trying to trying offer. To yeah, but I oftentimes when I do shitty behaviors, and I think I try to do less shitty behaviors now that I'm a little bit older, but and I'm a little bit less inebriated all the time. But when I was a, when I yep. was like I used to be ten years ago when I moved to San Francisco, I was like super drunk lady. Like people who know me from ten years ago are like, we did not think that you would survive. I used to drink a lot of whiskey and just get sloppy, just yeah. sloppy, sloppy drunk and black out, say and do terrible things. And so I just yeah. cute and gifted away. That's a lot of I think <laughs> pain on the inside. 
when you get drunk like that. I yes. used to have to drink in order to get up on stage, and I'm not I'm not exaggerating right now. I would take about five to ten shots, usually range around eight, to perform. Really? Yes, I was to perform an alcohol- comedy. Yes, yes, I was practically an alcoholic. How could you remember your script? Oh, or okay. were you so just making the, it up? Yes. So I used to do new material every time I got up on stage for the first like four months I did comedy because it's like years of pent up material that I had that I never th- realized I was able to let out on stage. Sure. But stories I was so hammered. Yes. Those, mainly stories. Yeah. You know, when people ask you, they ask comedians this all the time. What kind of comedy do you do? What kind of comedy do you do? We get that question all the time. That's a tough fucking you know, thing to answer, but I just answer storytelling. Yeah, that's you know, great. No, that's, it's it's about my life. I'm not so much an observation, you know, observationalist. I'm not like you know, I was on the bus and sometimes though. Sure. Well, everyone has a couple one-liners. Right. Whether you're a one-liner right. comedian, no. But I'm mainly a storyteller. Now that I realize it, my my punchline set yesterday, I only wrote three things before going on stage because I like to have the freedom to improvise. Sure. Um, I'm a big improvisational. <laughs> person and well, you know when it comes to the, the audience too and it keeps it real they know yeah. that you're they know that they're with you and you're in a conversation because it's yes cause they're because you're, you're working with them when you do a script on stage i think that the audience can read it unless you're really good like a professional like george carlin yeah yes he did like, the same script every single time and always made it fresh it's genius well that's but probably verbatim. why george carlin's george carlin yeah. you know he was verbatim though you can watch different sets you can hear things from records and you can hear them when he does them live in other places and they're like exactly the same and they're completely different performances even years apart that's a, that's okay so there's there's a there's something really great about that but y- just yesterday my friend was telling me i asked her who's your favorite comedian and she said pablo francisco but hmm. i've seen him twice with two years apart and the set was identical Ooh. and i just want to say that that hurts me to hear because we're supposedly you know going into this because we're artists so would you want to sing the same song for two years straight at every show you do probably not yeah yeah sure i mean yeah i'm sure that the journey is like journey is like another another but i mean all bands a lot of times have the same song well each album depending on how long they've been together you know people also kind of like are expecting to hear the songs that they know Uh but yes what I think is really exciting. Okay, so here's another thing. I went to that big comedy festival a week ago at Clusterfest, oh, uh-huh. where Comedy Central gets like the best comedians in the United States and the UK to come to San Francisco for an amazing like 70 plus comedian festival. But it's expensive. It's a hundred dollars a day. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, you have to know who's performing and be there on time and know what you're doing in order to get your money's worth. But aside from that. Um, I saw Amy Schumer, which was like one of the headliners, and she did all new material. I thought that was great. However, Rachel Feinstein went on before her, and I love Rachel Feinstein. She has a 30-minute special out right now um, under the stand-ups. Her performance of her 20-minute set, 15 minutes, was verbatim her Netflix special. Huh. And... I understand that it's a lot of pressure when you're on a big stage and you want to do your best material, but if you've already put it out on Netflix, meaning I can see this material for free, what did I pay to come to this festival for? Yeah, good point. That's a really good point. It really made me it really made me sad because Tig Notaro, one my personally favorite comedian, hmm. uh, who, you know, incorporated cancer into her bit and I've been really sick and I incorporate that into my bit, so it 
really, really speaks to me. Um, she was at Clusterfest last year. She did almost an hour's worth of material that I'd never seen. Cool. And then three weeks ago, she put out her special, I'm Happy to Be Here, and it was exactly what I saw a year ago live. Oh, that's, so that, that's great that she was working on it. Exactly. She did it and then she put it up. And I feel like as an audience member, not a fellow artist, as an audience member that's just watching and enjoying, it's like, that is so cool that I got to see her work on her Netflix special. Sure. But you flip that order around and I'm kind of sad yeah, and disappointed. You're like, yeah, it's just, it can be disappointing. It's hard though, not gonna lie. I'm sure touring just is freaking exhausting and being on promoting and blah, blah, blah. You, you mentioned, I know Tig Nataro, is, uh, she yeah. talked about the breast cancer. What are you, what, what are you sick with? Okay, so yeah, I actually put this in, even though I only had eight minutes at the punchline yesterday, I was like, there's no way I'm not gonna bring this up. Um, I have or had from the age of 15 on, I'm 27 now, I had ulcerative colitis. Oh my God. Yeah, which is pretty much ulcers in your colon, guys. Whoa. Um, Whoa. And it means that you shit blood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was. I got diagnosed with it at 15 and I was very, very sick. When you were 15? Yeah. What did your parents feed you when you were a child? Actually, it was stress-induced, they believe, and I had a very stressful childhood. At 15, you were dealing with that much stress that you had ulcerative colitis. Yeah. I was I put so much pressure on myself, you know, to live the American dream because my parents are first generation. Wow. Um, we moved here from Israel in 1996. I was six years old. Wow. And I just wanted straight A's. I mean, even at 15, I was like, I need to get into Yale University. Wow. I need to be a millionaire so I can provide for my family. Wow. And I got you, that's, sick. And I mean, wow. I have a I have a buddy. He's he unfortunately died. The Prophet Jeff Holmes, and he had ulcerative colitis and he yeah. went into he went into general hospital to like because it was he he couldn't eat and he was having right. a lot of trouble so he had to be on ivs well this was the terrible thing that happened when he was in general hospital he contracted a virulent staph infection jesus that's very dangerous in hospitals that, i used to study um healthcare. very likely to get any type of infection or you know in a hospital because it's it's just a congregation of sick people it's a virulent staph infection that was not drug responsive and it was funny because he took more drugs than anybody he was such a great drug user doer i mean i don't want to only great drug I, user add it to your resume guys yeah. well i mean if you know how to do ketamine like you're a fucking shaman <laughs> uh, so he was a great guy and he sadly went in for one thing and then suddenly just expired from this crazy staph infection but so so he died he yeah, passed he died oh lord it was awful but that's like the only way I know ulcerative colitis is that it, it affected his life like crazy. Yeah, I was on, um, so pretty much it's when, it's an autoimmune disease, so your body's attacking itself. And that's why we were talking about it being stress-induced. They don't know exactly how somebody gets it. Mm -hmm. um, so I was on um, immunosuppressant shots that I would give myself uh, called Humira for Humira. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. They use Humira for lots of things. They yes. also use it for psoriasis Rheumatoid and rheumatoid arthritis. arthritis. Yeah, that's is it, right. But also psoriasis, which is weird. How those are all connected? They're all autoimmune diseases. They're and, all, or I mean, they're they're caused. Your body is attacking itself. Right. And one of them manifests on the skin, but they usually come out of joints, which I think is funny. Except the colon is different because that's in the inside. But rheumatoid arthritis and and. Uh, and psoriasis. psoriasis, they usually make their first appearances from the knees, at the elbows. Sure. I, I don't know too much are. about that. My mom has a rheumatoid arthritis. Wow. So, so you were doing injections. I was doing my own injections. By the way, super easy. They're just like a EpiPen because they do it, you know, so minors and, and users can, can it be more, you know, without having to see the needle and whatnot. Yeah. You just put it, you know, flush to your skin and you press the tip of it like the eraser of a pencil. Yeah. It injects you and then retracts the needle the second it's done injecting you. Wow. That's how a pen works. Sure. 
That's um, cool. So that was great, but eventually um, it stopped working. Well, couldn't you use, especially if it's stress induced, can you use can you use marijuana? Can you yes. use cannabis? I supplemented my medication with marijuana for a long time because it's an anti-inflammatory, not just yeah. uh, helping with stress, but marijuana is an anti-inflammatory. And I've actually heard from tons of people that Crohn's and colitis can be helped with marijuana. Awesome. Well, and you know what they have now? I spark they've got all kinds of crazy things you can get suppositories so if you actually and thc and cbd being anti-inflammatories you can the same thing with if you have cervical cancer i think it would be great but you take the suppository and you stick it up there you get it close as close to the disease as possible right yeah and i think i mean i believe in cannabis for everything even my buddy uh he made cannabis tinctures and he started getting what looked like because he was bald and he had been in the sun his whole life he was getting like what looked like precancerous moles not moles but like big age spots that were getting big like freckles that were discolored and uh-huh. being weird irregular bordered whatnot yeah so he started using cannabis on his head and they all went away like he I was a bald it. guy and I was, I mean, we just watched it. He took pictures from the beginning and we we're just like, and we even noticed and his skin looked so good and he was using cannabis. And so that hasn't even been like studied or discovered or, you know, like, yeah, dermatologists aren't into cannabis yet. And what if that could be something with psoriasis or that could be something with yeah. rheumatoid arthritis if you put it near your joints in it, you know? Yeah. Yay, weed. The only problem was that after a while, I wasn't responding to the injections or to marijuana anymore. Oh. I had a flare, which is very common, that just was not responding to steroids, which is what they put you on. Mm. So I went to the hospital. And, and steroids are, it just means that it's... Steroids are intense anti-inflammatories. But there aren't they, um, they... So, but yes, yeah, steroids, like they can make you bigger. They're dealing with yeah. your endocrine system. I believe so. It's just like, it's the same thing that um, if uh, technically birth control is a steroid because you're messing with hormones in your body. Yeah. But that's the same thing. It's, that's what, a, if you take steroids because you want to pull. I don't know too much about it, but I was on prendazone and anybody who even knows the word prendazone is you know, rolling their eyes from what a nightmare it was to be on it. If you know what prendazone is, it's it fucking you, horrible. It made you sick? Like um, it vomits makes, or? It makes you gain weight and it makes your face swell up. Huh. Uh, huh. It also makes your hair fall out in about 2% of cases and that was I was one of those oh, cases. Your hair fell out? Yeah. When I was 15. So I was oh already, my God. Yeah. Were you bullied? Uh, yes, I was. I was bullied because it makes your face. I never forget this. My face swell up once I finally, when I was diagnosed with it at 15 and they found, you know, something to help me. My face swell up and somebody called me, I believe it was a walrus or a chipmunk. Oh. And that teacher felt so bad for me that she sent that guy outside and she explained to that kid, you know, don't bully that girl. She's on medication. But that didn't make me feel that much better. Right. You know, yeah. I'm having to be defended by my teacher. Right. And I had to keep going to school. It's not an option. Mom, my face is swollen. I'm going to stay home. Right. Your hair's falling out. So my hair fell out when I was 15. And then oh a year ago, like I was saying, my medication stopped working. And, I, and everything everything I was eating was making me horribly sick. So yeah. I ended up in the hospital. Oh. And they told me your ulcerative colitis is pretty much not responding to medication. Uh, your colon is super diseased. We're going to need to remove it. No. Yeah. Yeah, what? I talk about this on stage because, like I said, this what? is a huge deciding factor. That's like what of, they like, do with colon cancer. Yeah, I got a colectomy in March of 2017, an entire colectomy. So my colon was in such bad shape that they said that, and this is so disgusting, but it's the truth, that it was the, the lining on it was so thin from it being so corroded that when they were trying to remove it from my body, it was like 
falling apart in their hands. Wow. It was about to explode. I mean, it was an emergency surgery. They wow. had to remove the whole thing. I have a I have a scar that goes from like two inches below my breastbone to like four inches above my pubic area that like I got cut in half like a sardine. Wow. My colon was removed. Wow. And um I got disconnected from my butt and I don't go to the bathroom out of my ass anymore and now I have an ostomy bag. Wow. Wow. I know. It's really wild. You never know. You know, Wow. when they diagnosed me with it at 15, they said, worst case scenario, you're going to need a poop bag. And I was like, well, don't fucking even bring it up to me if it's not what I need. And guess what? Here I am at 27. I have the poop bag. So they weren't joking around. I mean, to get back to religion, right? Would you? Yeah. I mean, I'd be so, how do you not have like really severe anger issues? I I mean, I'm really, uh, yeah, I'm really impressed that you seem like a really uh, being, uh, that's 12 years of your life that you were infirmed and felt sick and you're formulating all of your theories about life and living. And I would not believe in a God. I'd be like, fuck. I was so honestly I had a video blog that I ran on my snapchat Uh, you can feel free to add me I don't post as much as I used to but it's coral.flower and I would post every day because I was such a I was such a lively blogger and then I was like this is day six in the hospital oh my god they're telling me that my condition is declining I almost died on my own video blog which by the way so intense people loved I mean when I got better People were like, oh my God, this, I I told them too. I was like, I just got my colon removed. This is day one. I was only in the hospital for three weeks, but I lost 40 pounds. Wow. Well, they took your colon out. They did. It's your largest organ in your body other than your skin. Just to give you guys an idea. a, A colon is a huge thing to get removed. And... I wanted to kill myself. Wow. I really was very unhappy. I can't say that I was like, you know, there's a miracle in every day. I was not like that at all. I was not. No. I was, uh, That's I actually, insane. I actually told them how depressed I was and I got put on a one-on-one suicide watch for wow. a couple of days after the surgery. Sure. I just was thinking, what do I have to live for? Wow. Yeah. Sure, I can completely. This is prior to comedy too, so I didn't even have comedy as an outlet. I was just like, what the fuck, life? What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, I I would open with the poop bag. Uh, yeah, I I mean, I don't yeah. open right with the poop bag because I want them to see, hey, this girl's funny aside from the fact that she has a shit bag. Sure. And I also joke around that when it's a shorter set, I don't have time to be like, my name's Coral Best and I have a shit bag. Good night. You know, <laughs> yes. I don't want to leave them with that. Sure. And it's also it's also very sad. And the thing with comedy is tragedy <laughs> is comedy, but you have to make it work. Sure. So the yeah. second I go up there and tell them I lost weight, I got really, you know, I got really sick. Um, I had to leave nursing school and uh, now I have a shit bag. It's like, okay, where's the joke? Right, exactly. Uh, where's the joke? Sure. She I just got, got dumped. She has a shit bag. I'm still waiting for the laugh. So right, right, I've been right, right, you right. know, working on my art and making it more relatable to people. I always joke about the shit bag about, this is a true story. When I did lose 40 pounds, I'd never had more guys write to me. Like they were like, oh my gosh, you're looking so beautiful these days. And I'm like, are you saying that because I lost weight? Because uh, I'm dying. Right. I'm, yeah, I'm dying. You look so hot. Right. Well, Even my dad was I'm, like, oh, you look so beautiful I'm in your dying. hospital bed. I'm like, you're just, I'm, I'm going to die. Oh my God. And um, so how did you make that decision? Were you like, you, you were like, take it out. What if they would have left oh, it in? They had to take it out. That's a great question. So get this. I did not want it as a young, like hip person that had a happen in sex life at the time. I was like, I don't want the shit bag. 
let's just keep trying medication. They kept on injecting me with so much drugs that I was just like literally dying before everyone's eyes. I was like a shell of a human. My jaw would hang open because I had no strength wow. to keep it shut. Eventually, it got to the point where I was going to die within days, maybe hours. And they said, if you don't sign this paper that says that you're going to get your colon out, you're going to die. And I wow. said, fine. And I literally signed it like the most feeble 98-year-old woman. I signed this paper and I was in I was in surgery within hours of that. What does it feel like to be dying? Uh I mean, you were close. I was really close. It was definitely it's well, it made me realize that maybe what we're told is supposed to make us happy doesn't. And it's not until you're really staring at death in the face that you're like, do I if I had only one more day, you know, to live, would I do what I do? Huh. You know, I don't know how to explain it, but it's, I ultimately decided I'm not going back to nursing school. Really? Yes. I am not going back to nursing school. How far along were you? Halfway. Halfway. Two years in, two years left. Okay. And you just said, this isn't going to make me happy. I said, I don't want to be in a fucking hospital. Mm. I love people and I want to help people. And I was going to be a pediatric nurse. So a lot of people are like, oh, God bless your soul. But ultimately I don't want to be in a hospital. I'm, I want to share my you life. You spent enough time in a hospital. Yes. And that was only like 20 days. So can you imagine people who have to be there for months? Like, Oh, only 20 days. Well, I'm just saying there was, <laughs> I was also, you guys, I have Medi-Cal. So hospital care <gasps> was fucking shitty. Do you, so you think, you think that because of Medi-Cal, you got, you were treated differently because they, they, um, you weren't I'm spending just saying, actual money. If you're going to be sick for a long time at a place like Valley Medical Hospital in San Jose, you have like five roommates. You have like not a lot of, you know, it's not the same kind of care you get at Kaiser, you guys. It's just not. When I got diagnosed with the disease, I belonged to Kaiser. And now when I'm an adult, I have Medi-Cal and the care was night and day. Interesting. I've, I'm on Medi-Cal as well. And um, every procedure that I've had done with them is, has been fantastic. Not, not inpatient hospital though, right? No, but uh, so I went in, I have, I personally have kidney issues which i blame on rampant diet coke drinking in my 20s i love diet coke damn it i used to drink like six diet cokes a day oh wow okay. for 10 years then maybe i'm all right then yeah so for 10 years like i didn't drink any water all i had was diet coke i'd wake up and i'd slam a diet coke even in the middle of the night if i was thirsty i'd slam a diet coke diet like, cokes are addictive and that's a fact yeah so i was drinking i was basically buying a flat so i guess it was 36 wow a week at costco my ex-husband would buy one of regular Coke and I would buy one of Diet Coke and we each had our own flats and I would bring them to work and put my name on them and I love my Diet Coke. Anyways, so I did that for 10 years. I attribute now, I have, I have kidney pain where sometimes it's, I mean, it's not debilitating. It's just like, I'm like, uh, like sure, uh, it hurts so much. It's not comfortable, but it happens like periodically for no reason. I'm just like, ah, okay. But one time it was so egregious that I went in to general and I said, Ooh, you know, this is really hurting. And so they said, well, let's do an ultrasound. So that was freeze. They take me in and they ultrasound me. And and then they come back and they go, well, uh, this is funny. You don't have, you might have passed your kidney stones, but you actually have uh, tumors on your ovaries and pneumonia. Wow. I was like, I have pneumonia. What? And I start crying, not because of the tumors, but because of the pneumonia. I had no idea I was sick. I didn't, I don't know. I have pneumonia. Anyways, I had walking pneumonia. But then they scheduled me, they gave me drugs and stuff, but then they scheduled me to take these tumors out and it was all free. And I, I mean, I went in, they, they took them out. I woke up in a room. Then when I was okay, I hobbled out into the car and my boyfriend took me home and, and it wasn't, I mean, it was great. 
and it was, but it was Medi-Cal and everyone was very kind to me and I was very happy that they found it. It's probably a case by case basis. And also I have to, I have to say, thank the heavens, everything was free and I was in the hospital for a long time and my surgery was only my surgery was probably about 90 grand. So, you know, God bless Medi-Cal and Obamacare, but it's just that there's so many people that need care under, you know, public, you know, like the kind of hospital I was in and being there day and night, that's where it really wears at you. Like I was very, I'm very happy with my insurance. Like, hello, I don't pay health insurance. Like people right now are probably cursing my name listening to this. Like, you know, the how does it happen though, that sometimes people get buried in their hospital bills? Like, yeah, they make too much money to be on Medi-Cal, but then the copay, even if it's 20%, can still be all of a sudden $200,000. You know, I'm, I'm not, I can't say that I'm an expert on that, but I do think that prior to Medi-Cal and prior to Obama being president, there was a huge problem with that. People without a, without a lot of money would just not have insurance. And then what happens? You get hurt, you get an ambulance to drive you somewhere. That's 3,000 bucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember once, when you call an ambulance, by the way, they usually just take you to the nearest hospital, even if that's not your insurance carrier. And that already can be a hot fucking mess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, at least there's got to be a way to streamline. Like, that's, it's so funny too, because it's like, some people are worth having health care and some people aren't. (laughs) How are we? Really? For real. Like, if universal health care is such a crucial step in any country that pretty much wants to say uh we care about our people right i mean well and is that we say we're a christian nation and we say that we're there's a morality that is underneath us but is there truly if we're not taking care of our people i mean if you were ninety let let's say that you had a insurance or whatever and they had to take out your colon it was ninety thousand dollars you'd pay 20 percent copay that's eighteen thousand dollars which nobody has who has Eighteen thousand dollars. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying, like, as much How did as I, that? as much as I suffered with having so many. That's this is the thing about having the roommates, though. Okay, so a lot of disease is about recover, recovery, mm-hmm. and I wasn't able to recover because every time you're trying to sleep, someone else is having pain, someone else is needing to go to the bathroom. We have five beds to a room. Wow. So I told them, I'm like, you, this, you I'm trying to beat rest. this disease, but I can't get any sleep. Yeah. And they said, we're sorry. Uh, you know, there's not much we can do. So here's a little tip for you listeners. Um, this is a true, this is a true statement, but I developed night terrors while I was in the hospital. Sorry to be such a bummer because they wake you up at like the middle of the night constantly for, uh, blood draws, for blood draws actually. Yeah. It's terrible. Um, so I developed night terrors where I would scream in the middle of the night. And once my roommates got, you know, once that started becoming a problem, I got my own private ensuite. Because you were screaming at night. I was screaming. And it wasn't on purpose. I'm not, I wasn't doing no, no, it to no, help myself. Not. I just no, was no, like no, waking up was... in terror. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Well, they, I mean, it took them a while to find something, but they put me in, in a room by myself and I finally could get some fucking sleep. The, the, I mean, the mental health aspects of being confined. Correct. In a bed. In a bed and not feeling well. Being poked and prodded. And, and having the people change all the time. And some of the people are nicer and some of the people aren't. I had like, I had like six different doctors I would see a day. I'm like, who, what, when, who's, who's who? Yeah. You're drugged up. Yep. It's confusing. Your family doesn't get to be there all the time. Hopefully you have people there that are supportive. If you don't, well, that's even scarier. That's the thing. I was so blessed because because of my video blog, so many people came to visit me. It was like, that's great. it was like a spectacle. 
to the other people that were sharing the room or sharing the floor with me. But I needed that encouragement. I was totally giving up on you life. You almost died. I was totally giving up on life. Were you, did you think about like an afterlife? Were you at all, do you believe in afterlife? Were I you, do believe in an afterlife. So when you were there close on the precipice, were you like, let's just go over? Or were you like, no, 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 um, every day is precious. I wasn't thinking every day is precious. I felt like every day I just felt more like shit. Uh, um, so this is this is another thing I wanted to bring up since we were talking about beliefs. So in 2012, my best friend of 11 years uh, died from suicide. Whoa. We had just moved in together. It was 10 days into us oh living God. together. I know. Oh my God. I know. Can you guys believe her? I came? I went did into you comedy. Find her, did I you? did find her. No, no, no. Yeah, I did find her. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. That is like, it's, I can't even imagine like losing your best friend and seeing right. them it's like seeing, seeing a dead body but it's not a stranger it, oh my god and you're also oh dealing with god. the coping like oh my god it is, oh. I was so horrified by it that you guys I used to be like a horror movie buff I don't watch scary movies anymore because they have people okay you're so triggered she, they have people well it was a, it was unfortunately a hanging oh my so they god. have people hanging and also like life can be a nightmare you know, life can be a horror movie if you're in a bad situation. So to me, that's not entertainment, but I appreciate, you know, I appreciated it until that point in my life. Um, but the thing about spirituality is I've had to come to terms with my best friend who was only 21 at the time being gone. And I've kind of felt her spirit with me ever since. And so that makes me believe in an afterlife. Sure. No, that, hey, that makes great sense then. I think she actually knew I was going to become a comedian. She knew like 10 years ago before you know before i even thought of comedy and whatnot yeah um i i, I feel her sometimes and that's i cool. and i still spend time with her family that's good um and you know what if i didn't believe in an afterlife i think this would have been even harder yeah you know? sure well you don't want to think that you're a 27 26 year old person who's has they're gonna have to take their colon out or you're gonna die and you're gonna you gotta think about death and I mean that's all real heavy stuff and find finding your friend I know this is a heavy this is a heavy is, episode of some yeah, call it me is. Tim well is, do you think that is the finding your friend what no you already had the depression because you've been sick since you were 15 it probably awakened my my religious side of me more so sure I, wow. I used to call psychics and ask them to connect me with her and they would actually oh, wow talk to me about where she is supposedly she was in a state of limbo for a long time because she felt so terrible about the aftermath you know toward her mother myself her boyfriend at the time she had a boy like what was was she was she, she, she mental health de issues? she dealt with actually incest oh. and uh yes she had mental health issues but it was already seven years sure. prior to any incest actually taking place huh. i mean yeah seven sorry seven years after right after, yeah not okay. prior seven years after um, but yeah, she, she ended up taking her own life because I think she was a tortured soul. And even though she was, you know, an angel, she was so beautiful too. She was like the most beautiful girl in her school. Um, she just, you know, everyone has their time and I don't know, I guess this world wasn't meant for her. She's very sensitive and sweet. Wow. Um, really I feel intense. her with me. I think a lot of my success in comedy, if you want to put success in quotes, because you know. I say I take only paid gigs, but paid gigs, you guys, that could mean $5. Sometimes so. it's beer. Sometimes it's pizza. Sometimes it's pizza. Yeah, Sometimes. I love that Pizza Hacker show. It's good pizza. Exactly. Did like, that one? That was that one. It's good. also about, you know, having fun. But the idea is that I think she's been there. You know, every show that I go to, every open mic that I go to by myself, I feel her with me. That's very sweet. And that stems, you know, 
from that helps like kind of build what my religion is, which is that I just feel like there is a purpose for every single thing that happens to you, good or bad. And maybe you don't know it now, but one day you will. Hmm. And if you can just see everything in that way, it'll give you a lot more guidance in life and a lot more confidence that there is more to the here and now than you can see. Well, everybody listen to Coral Best because she almost died. I almost died. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did. That's fucking crazy. I did. And uh, if I hadn't almost died, I'd probably be a nurse right now. Wow. So, you know, I take comedy so seriously because it's kind of what I live for. Sure. And I, I say comedy, but it's really like I live... I live to, to, to somehow make an impact and I'm so happy that I found something that makes other people happy. That's great. Yeah. 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 And I'm actually, a, I'm actually, I love podcasts. Sweet. So, um, I was, I'm really happy that you asked me to, you know, be on here today and I didn't quite know what I was signing up for, but this is just, you know, I find that, uh, being as candid and vulnerable as possible relates most to the listeners. So hopefully this helps somebody out there who's listening, maybe deal with something that they're going through right now. Well, it's a crazy time because of the, um, recent celebrity suicides. And right. We were discussing on the last show that, um, suicide contagion, uh, happens and that, you know, after Marilyn Monroe was found dead, the suicide rate went up 12%. And after, you know, and they're looking at after Robin Williams, it went up as well. So, and that two of them just happened. People are, I mean, we have to think about mental health in our country and why right. why we should be worried about. It's I mean, a leading cause of death. Well, people, people are dying. It, the, the funny thing is that like, we somehow take, we've, we've taken, we've somehow we have an, a, a way as I guess Americans to, to take our parts apart, like our, we can be our analytical parts over here and our emotional parts over here and our like we're able to and our career is over here. We, we're able to compartmentalize our lives or something so that we don't address our physical health or it's okay let me try to explain it this way we're like machines right and the stuff you put in your body and goes out your body like that is going to affect your body but that's not just food it's like what you put in your eyes to put in your brain what you feed in what you're reading or what you're watching or what you're around you know you're experientially what you take in affects us all the time and so we don't think about mental health or past patterns that have happened and how to change them in the future or how to i mean now that we were talking about, I didn't know until the, the sickness until now, but of course it would be difficult to be, I mean, it, you have extra special things to deal with in a relationship. Like that's intense and, um, and intimate and different and, ama- and amazing and could be, but there's so many, it, it, I don't know. I'm trying to, I got high and it's like, what? Okay. So let's imagine that people are like remember those things when we were little and you went to the sharper image catalog or whatever and you put your hand in it yeah with all the the with all the metal sticks yeah the pins right so like we're all of these orbs floating around in the universe with like pins or we have like parts that stick out and parts that go in and we have we have you know highs and deficits and goes with all ways of think with always of thinking and always of emotions like i cry all the time that's not a desirable thing so whatever pin that is is like a tiny little pin that's weird and so sometimes when you're falling around in the universe like to find a person to mesh with 
it's so that, very unique that you could write because we have all of us have special fucking needs you know and yeah and so i mean that's, that's a unique and awesome and to be able to be with a person even for a short amount of time and then why yeah. do we say you have to be with the same people forever why do we do that too i think that people like to believe that love is forever and you know what i joke with my friends that i'm such a hopeless romantic that i'm dating someone and that person is my future forever partner until they're not <laughs> like literally like i'm like yeah that's my future that's my partner and i am so dedicated and another reason that <laughs> it's you very know, zen live in the now yeah exactly live in the now you guys <laughs> what's so funny is i i bought this book recently that's called the power of now and i haven't read it but it's sitting next to my bed and i always go yeah you know like i probably should read that wow when when my ex broke up with me because i do i have you know had this experience where i've gotten better from being in the hospital and by the way when i say i'm better i live my life with a poop bag and a very very weak weekend body it's nothing like what I, i used to play college water polo wow um i was on my college dance team i mean i was an active girl And so a lot has changed in my life. And when my partner left me a month ago, I'm kind of realizing that I don't, I don't have that person to make me feel okay about myself post-surgery. And here I am single again. And I'm going to be honest with the radio listeners. I haven't kissed her or had sex or anything. And I'm kind of scared. Like, who am I going to be vulnerable to in that way? Like, you know, it's so intimate. Everyone is intimate with their bodies, but now even more so I'm like, this is this yeah, is a scary thing to bring up absolutely and it's but it's if it's gonna happen it's gotta come up so it's like right i don't want them to find out in real time when they take off my shirt and they're like right. uh, what's and that like yeah exactly i'm like that's my shit bag keep going no yeah. whoa well kind of yeah i mean i would like to know if like you don't you know if something's wrong with like your, your dick has like a skin tag on it like talk to me sure exactly which happened to me one time this guy had a skin tag on his dick and i was like dude there's something wrong with your dick and he's like oh it's just a skin tag and i was like you need to have that be like a warning label like please my dick is weird uh alert alert there's like an arrow with a, a tattoo with an arrow and it says this is weird dude this guy well god i i never i God, I hope, you know what? Here's the thing. Every time you want to say something negative about somebody, and I'm, I'm, I'm still learning to practice that too, you actually just wish them the best. And you mean it. I wish them the best. People who cut me off on the highway, as much as I want to be like, fuck you, you know, I hope you never get to your destination. Um, you say I wish you the best. Yeah, you're like, you have no idea what's going on in that person's life. You wish them the best. And that doesn't take a lot out of you. Just say, I wish you the best. When my ex broke up with me, I just said, I wish that this situation leads to both of us having the best outcome. Wow. That's really, that's, I sound so Zen on this radio show, but I'm not, I'm just, I'm trying, I'm trying just like the rest of us. I'm just trying. Yeah. No, you're changing your brain patterns. Correct. And that's, um, cognitive behavioral therapy. It's saying that if there are characteristics in your life that make you unhappy or that make your life more difficult to live, that you can overcome those obstacles by changing the patterns of your brain. Yeah. And I mean, I used to be a very, very triggered person. And for a very long time, I would say, well, this is who I am. And this is just how I react to things. And that's the way it is. Mm. And I'd be like, that's me. And that's it. That's that sounds like when I meet someone like that, I realize that what they're saying to me reflects so much more on how they feel toward themselves than anything that has to do with me. And so I used to be very triggered as well, Pam, just so you know, like I can relate to that. 
Well, and so I... And I, I still be, am sometimes, guys. And I would... Well, and sometimes I see... Sometimes. It's very rare. It gets more rare now, but... If my buttons get pushed and I see red, I can just be so mean and say some really good. And I don't even remember. I'm in a fog. I'm you in a rage. You throw low blows. I throw low blows. I am. I get. I rage, and it's it's not pretty, and it doesn't need to happen. And I look out of control, and I look like a crazy person. And then I always get down on myself because I'm like, oh, I look like a crazy person. But then I think our president is a crazy person, and he, he seems he seems to be okay with it. Everyone else seems to be okay with other people being crazy person. Why don't I get to be a crazy? That's person? called rationalization and justification, right? And so, and then it's also well, I should be entitled to be however I am. I but, feel that too sometimes. But then it's like, I mean, I can control my behavior. It's, it's more I like have it's to be a dick. This is what you can think: Is this who I want to be? Right, right. Maybe it is who you are, but is this who I want to be? Sure. Recently, I'm going to be totally like, I've been getting into a lot of fights with people because with the breakup, it was kind of like anything that was really setting me off. I was like, you know what? I don't need this in my life anymore. <laughs> so I actually burned a lot of bridges in the last two months Yeah. Um, with a fellow comedian, <laughs> uh, uh, with my job. I quit my job and I let the owner of the restaurant know that she treats people poorly and I, I'm not fond of her and I do not care to stay in contact and you know that's my nice way of saying what I said wow. and uh, yeah. just in general I, I've been burning a lot of bridges which I don't recommend but the idea is too that this somehow was bringing negativity in my life and right now I'm I'm trying to build build from from new sure I'm trying to have positive energy I'm looking to move from my house soon like we were talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have a new job now where the people really give me good good feelings about their energy energy is a real thing to Absolutely. me well, People vibration. are going to feed you their energy. It's your choice whether or not you want to, you know, eat it, if you will. Yeah. But then again, if you live with really negative roommates like I do now, it's like the energy uh, is just, ugh. It's so hard when you have, I've lived in negative roommate situations and most of it is communication issues and it's passive aggressiveness. I, yes. I, I had a roommate who would just get incensed over the top of Tio. And from my point of view, I was like, why should we each buy a bottle of top of Tio? Why can't we just share a bottle of Tapatio. My roommates like, are like that. Like, I can't use anything of theirs. I'll give you a dollar if you want me to. Weird. Next time you, we can... For me, it's like, why not switch off who buys the Tapatio or whatever? But she would leave notes all over. Sticky pads like, don't use my Tapatio. That's called passive-aggressive, guys. So passive-aggressive. And I just was like, seriously, dude? Like, it's just how... Like, because I would... I like to put it on popcorn, but I only ate it like once a week. So it's not like... And that's the thing is, why would I have my own bottle of top of tea when I never really use it except this one time? But I get it from their perspective too because she was like, I'm OCD and I know exactly how much top of tea was in that bottle. You know, it's about picking your battles when you live with people like that. I would buy my own <laughs> bottle of top of tea. And then if we're going to get petty, because this is a thing, you know, we're all triggered at some point. I'd put a note, a little sticky note on my top of tea and say, not yours. Yeah, that's funny. You know, but the thing is also, by the way, this is what my mom recently got dumped recently too. And she was like, I want to get back at my ex. I want to get back at my ex. That's you putting negative energy. You think, you think that you're getting revenge or whatever, you know, right. if somebody left you for a friend or something, the best sure. thing you could do is actually remove yourself from that situation and Absolutely. not soak up any of that anymore. Absolutely. And you know, what's so funny is my mom's ex-boyfriend's such a loser that her way of getting back at him was she wanted me to somehow get his great America pass revoked. Because he loves Great America. Oh, that's right. I love Great America too. But I mean, that's really, funny. like, what the fuck? Flight I was deck. I was supposed to call. She wanted me to call Great America and say this man's been harassing me and stuff wow. at the park. I was like, Mom, that's wow, that's aggressive. It is, and you know, this is that he was cheating on her, and he ultimately mm. chose the other girl, and mm. that really is. I would have called if that's the case. I would have called. 
Yeah, yeah, you would have yeah. called Great America. Hell yeah. Okay, so Pam's on the same page as my mom. But I'm you know on what the I told page. My mom? If she che- he cheated he on her cheat. and he left did. her for the other woman, yes. Fuck that guy. Fuck that. And guy. also, you guys, it was like a Jerry situation. Like they met each other in his driveway. Like she was like, "Who are you?" And then she's like, "I'm this. I'm Rick's girlfriend. You know, whatever." Wow. And then the other girl was like, "I'm Rick's girlfriend." Wow. But um, I told my mom that calling any type of energy she's going to invest in trying to get back at him is just her continuing to harbor res- like that negative energy around I, herself. I, I, I agree with that. I, you know? I, I've often said in the past, I don't have the time or energy to do evil. I only have the time to do good. Like Or fight. I don't have the time to fight evil. I have only have the time to do good. Because there's just I just don't have any time. I really don't have you any time. You think you're going to feel better. You do. You think, oh my gosh, if this guy, I just want to slash this guy's tires and then he's going to be fucked when he has to go to work tomorrow or, you know, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. But ultimately, you're not doing, you're only doing an injustice to yourself. Yeah. That's that, and, and that's tough because trust me, don't we all want to get revenge? And and it gets even more, you know, the bigger the circumstances are. Like, sure, when someone passes away and the person isn't convicted, I'm sure that people are like want to arrange for that person to get killed. But in reality, it's like, I don't know. You need to just step. It's so hard. I can't speak for that matter. Oh wait, so did you just switch? I did switch. I was the, thinking. I was thinking. All of a sudden, coral, we're, talking, we're talking capital punishment. Coral, you're so you're so zen, you know. But listen, let's say somebody murdered somebody close to me and they didn't get convicted like of course you're gonna want revenge you know kill bill style wow but the question is can you be zen enough can you preach you know you know pretty much do as you preach But now you know in these days and times if Uh someone was murdered and it wasn't prosecuted or correctly or whatever uh-huh. you could blog about that shit and you could get enough people on your side that you could make something happen okay you know what that's I feel actually like, I feel positive like if, if there's an injustice that happens in that way i feel like there is a way to fight it and get revenge not necessarily have the revenge be right you shouldn't look at it as revenge you should look at it as probably just spreading the truth just and justice justice yes, and, justice yeah so justice. sometimes i used to think to myself god i'd, I'd love to serve I want I used to think I wanted to be a lawyer because there's such a good feeling about looking someone in the eye who's trying to cause pain or is abusing their power and saying no more huh I've always really wanted to be that person like I would love to train police to be like more mentally health conscious and explain to them like I wish I wish I wish that yeah. I was able to tell them you know when they do shoot a mentally ill person or if they if they turn to violence or extreme violence when not necessary I wish that there was greater consequences and I wish yeah. that you know, that's kind of where I find that I still have that, oh, damn, I really want to discipline these people. Right. To to fight the injustices. of Yeah. I mean, the, the concept of of innocent people being in, in prison is horrific. It is. But also, like, if you're a lawyer, how do you know if someone's actually telling the truth? Do you, I mean, right? can, how can you, you tell? Know, how do you know anyone's ever actually telling the truth, Pam? That's true, too. How do you ever know? That's a pretty abstract, that's a pretty abstract concept there, you know? I, uh, and sometimes, sometimes people don't even know that they're lying to themselves. They can hide things from themselves. Totally. Well, then that's where the mental illness comes from, is that when there's a dis, there's, when you're, when the reality that you see yourself in and the reality that is don't jive, <laughs> That's when you start like, you know, plying yourself with mental illness <laughs> or do you know, it's like being think, distanced from like what's real. Like if you're lying to yourself, I think a lot of people lie to themselves. Like the, the jerk guy who was whole, having two relationships once with your that mother guy's and a fucking, some other that guy's girl. That guy's an idiot. Like but literally. But the thing that just sucks because he was basically saying like, I'm selfish enough 
Yeah, so he's actually really dumb. Like, I don't mean to put down anybody who works at Safeway, but he is a grown man who works at Safeway. And uh, he's just so self... Uh, Concerned. He was dating both of them because that gave him the most, you know, in terms of he was getting the most out of the life that way. He was reserving Friday nights for one woman, Saturday nights for my mom. But okay, and now that's amazing. And they both thought he was he wasn't being honest. So, but he didn't say like I'm. I'm monogamous to you if he lied to both of them and said I'm monogamous to you but withholding truth in that situation is obviously lying yeah yeah so he was lying and it, it didn't bother him at all and I didn't I do notice that people who don't want to think about it too hard don't have to like the dumbest people <laughs> I feel like are able to lie the best because it doesn't bother them and they'll do it with a smile on their face wow um not lying is the ideal life L- living a life where you say what you think you know there's a quote like that it's like do what you say you know think with uh, I don't know I'm gonna fuck what it is up it called, is it called integrity is that a thing you're talking about I don't know it just <laughs> <laughs> yeah integrity <laughs> you're living your, you're living an integritous life really I, I, personally really? In personally seriously personally I wouldn't say that I live an integritous integritous life but I would like to yeah I've actually always had growing to. up people question my integrity because uh, uh, this is another thing if anybody ever says someone is charming somebody told me once that charming is actually not a good thing. It means charming that they're, is euphemistic for slimy. Yes, exactly. Charming is euphemistic exact for kind of saying I'm able to manipulate people. Oh, I'm able to get people to like me without actually delving into who I am. Wow, isn't that interesting? So it's not. It's sort of a backhanded compliment. It is. So I try to steer clear of that. But as a comedian, as comedians, we need to be kind of charming. I mean, we get up on stage for three minutes and we need to wow you, or at least we want to. You know, usually you laugh when you relate to something because you know the person. You guys don't know us. Right. We have to make you know us. Sure. So yeah, you know, I've always been kind of charming, and it's a. It's a it's a euphemism because what it really means is I'm like if manipulative I, snake charmers they the snake is like oh, I'm chilling hey what are you doing oh, move it this way and that way men who are charming or women who are charming sometimes it's because they're great people but sometimes it's because you're not the first person and you're not the last person that they're charmed right I'm such a jerk face because I get I drink a lot but and I meet a lot of people and so I rarely remember people but a lot of people will remember me because we'll have connected in a some way well they'll remember me but I just don't remember them and so then they feel like sometimes later they're like oh like you don't oh. remember so then they feel like it wasn't not at wasn't the time genuine at the time I was being genuine I just I meet too many people to be able to remember everybody in my head and I mean I imbibe a lot of substances, so it's also difficult to remember things because I, you know, I, my brain. Yeah, my people do love being remembered. I also realize that if we're talking about, we talked about how smiling is very important. It's important to remember a person's name, even if it's just for the encounters that you have with them. Like, hi, my name is, um, my name is Sydney, you know, and then at the, or, uh, let's say I'm Coral, all right? That makes it easier for me. Someone says, I'm a big fan of yours, Coral. Um, my name is Sydney. Then when I'm leaving the venue, I go, have a good night, Sydney. And now you. that girl is a fan for life. Nice. Because it's really, um, the sweetest words anybody could hear is actually the sound of their own name. Wow. Um, that's why people love to have their name uh, said to them during in bed. Huh. You know, like, oh, yeah. Like, she really loves it because she said Daniel. You know, the, I'm Daniel. Um, 
<laughs> so yeah, it's really important to remember names, even if it's just for that one situation. It's, it's and great. also, don't be afraid to be like, you know what? I, I totally remember being in a show with you, but I'm sorry, what was your name? Right, when you forget people's names and you have to, why not just ask? They, why they'll, pretend they'll you don't you. remember? Yeah, because... It can, it can hurt a little, like, oh, I, I thought they remembered me, you know, we, yeah. we made out, or whatever. Right, right, right. I'm like, I don't uh, remember that still, either. remembering people's names is so special. I find that since I'm telling you guys all my secrets about what it takes to be charming, you know, I'm really good at getting hired at job interviews like on the spot you know mm. um, it's very important to say things by name like I have three bosses at my job now and when I leave or shake their hand or they do me a favor I say thank you Jose or I say thank you Tony it's like they hear the sound of their own name and they're like yeah I did that I'm a good person I don't wow. know names hey you've opened my eyes to a lot of things I'm glad because I'm pretty remember, high as well too did, did you remember all your nurses names when you were in the hospital were you able to do it you were not you were even too close foggy yeah not even close a lot but, of opiates so many opiates I had one of those um I was taking uh what's that really strong uh I was on fentanyl no fentanyl patch no it was uh not morphine it was stronger than morphine yeah I forget what it was called damn oxycontin it. It's not it was a drip though. It was it, a drip. You had a morphine drip. It was something a, like it that. was something even stronger than morphine. I forget what it was called, but it was great. And I was in I was in so much pain that I had a button. You guys yeah, ever heard yeah, of those? Yeah, 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 so yeah. every ten minutes you're allowed to click it and it will inject you through your IV with medication. But I was so addicted to it that I would be clicking it at five minutes all the time, just like, why isn't this working? Right, when is right, this gonna right, work? Right, How many right, more minutes right. until this is on like again? Pavlovian but button finger. They don't get around about hospital drugs. You are fucked up. You know, yeah. people are like, oh, did you love it? But the thing is that it, I was a shell of myself, so sure. no. <laughs> no, of course you didn't love it. I mean, ugh. Opiates are hard to. Well, the one good thing is that they make it so you can't you can't do the deuce. You can't go poopy doopy. So that's good because then oh, well, I you're dealing with so. that anyways. I mean, you were already like. You know what was really hard is learning to fucking walk again. Really? When you're in a hospital for so long and you're in a bed for so long, you have to literally muster up the strength to sit up for the first time again, walk for the first time. I used to have to go on these like circles around the floor, you know, three times a day as part of my post-surgery, you know, plan. Wow. Um, and walking. You were just I literally, I had a walker sure, sure, sure. and I had a, a, a catheter with my piss bag and oh my IV my bag. God. And I mean, I felt like I was 95, but I was only 26. And oh my God. it just makes you take everything into perspective. Like you know is money what i want is is <laughs> what, what what is it that i want why why am i doing what i do every day of my life right right you had like a come to jesus talk with yourself yeah yeah i i i got better and was like okay what's gonna make my life worth living again because right now all i can think about is fuck this right so uh let's wrap up with this what is what is the future hold for coral best what do you if you were to say this is what I'd like. This is this is the new goal. This is what I'd like to have. What do you? Is okay, it the so Netflix this is, special. What is it? You know what? Here, not too far off. Um, since June twelfth, twenty seventeen, when I stepped on a stage for the first time and did an open mic, um, not the first. I just felt like this is my calling. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see where I am five years from now. Sure. Um, Netflix special would be yeah ideal because that's the way to reach the most audience. Isn't that and funny that everything changed so quickly? Really, though, now really, everything it's only is on. Been, you want to get, you know, streamed on Netflix People now? used to laugh about that. Oh, my God, like Netflix, that's never going to work. And then now it's like everything. So I it's love crazy. It. I love it. You know, I, I want to be a professional comedian, and I'm willing to invest the time um, and study under the greats, you know, whether that means just watching them on TV like George Carlin, you know, and watching reruns of whatnot. You could still study the greats. And I... 
when I finally feel like, you know, I'm at a place where I'm able to teach other people how to do this because comedy is just what the world needs in my opinion laughter yeah, sure there just isn't enough and recently i had somebody come up to me at the caravan lounge san jose and said hey you're that comedian right and i said yeah and they go can i talk to you for a second and it was a gentleman in his 30s and he says hey i have a shit bag and oh, i saw wow. you perform i saw you perform about five weeks ago really late at night it was like a one in the morning in a bar thing and he said you have no idea how much that spoke to me because i'm so embarrassed about it and here you are talking wow. about it into a microphone and you know what it's not just a shit bag people have lots of different problems they could sure. be a mental or physical deformity yeah, absolutely but comedy is a way for us to communicate and communication is honestly what i live for yeah that's great that's so amazing. hopefully you know only great things are coming um i'm gearing up for what this career has in store because it is a super dupe duper tough you know yeah thing to pursue absolutely uh, most people do it as a hobby because honestly it can get really it can get disappointing, you it's, know? Yeah, it's... And I'm only saying this after a year. Talk to somebody that's been doing it for 30, you know? Yeah, right. Um, this is what I want. Uh, I hope that people will follow me on the journey. Um, I'm on Instagram under hashtag Coral Best Comedy. I post everything on there. And, uh, yeah, I'm... This is my life 2.0, you know? Started again once I almost died. It's com I've completely flipped it upside down, and I couldn't be happier. That's amazing. Thank Yay. you. Yay. Yay. We did it. We did it. Some call me Tim. Yay. This was just, well, this was a perfect some call me Tim. That's exactly what it's about. It's like, why do you believe what you believe? Where'd you come from? That was, you, that was amazing. Congratulations about your punchline gig. That's Thank really you. exciting. Thank and you so much. Wishing you the many, universe many, provided. Yeah. I mean, it was my one year anniversary exactly. And I got the punchline. That's, if that's amazing. Not, if that's, that's not, fortuitous. you know, the yeah, universe talking great. to you, like right on, you know, smacking you on the head. I don't know what it is. That's, that is really great. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for being here. This has been some call me Tim him every Wednesday from two to three-ish. Ish, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we're going to play some music and stuff. We'll be back at four o'clock uh, playing the Sparkcast from you guys. It is, Coral was on the Sparkcast too back in I the, was, because I love marijuana. Hell yeah. We'll have her back again on the Sparkcast. And, uh, but it plays here from four to five and we'll be doing that today. So thanks everybody. Thank you so much, Coral Best. Everybody look Thank her up on you, Instagram. Pam. At had a Coral Best Comedy. Yay! Thanks. Okay, bye. of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs>
Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.Evan. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground Comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere fun. every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. (laughs) Well, hello, boys and girls. You know what a password is. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that gets you up to the front in all the right places. It's cannabis energy. It seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. And the swellest way I know to get it is just by using Green Army Skincare. Boy, they're just crammed full of cannabis energy. There are more cannabis energy units in one lip balm tube than you use circling the base ten times or when you ride your bike four miles across the city. And it's fast acting. Why, no sooner that you apply some balm to your mouth or pain areas, you practically feel the new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Green Army Skincare is a good, wholesome product. They're made with body-nourishing cannabis and other natural ingredients. So go out there today and pick up some Green Army Skincare products from your local cannabis procurement center. Join the Green Army.com. 
Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to invite you down to Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van Ness. Uh, we've got great food by our kitchen counter offer, burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco, and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special. Shot of bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for 8 bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shout. Drop by the bar, make some friends. Thanks, folks. Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District, San Francisco, California. With a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Go to Bender's Bar. Big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Yeah, it goes down. Come smoke with your boy. Grinder. Spark is San Francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven years. Spark is dedicated to creating the best in-store experience with its extensive menu, friendly staff, and one of the few cannabis vape lounges in San Francisco. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for recreational adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 10 p.m. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. Rainbow Grocery, a worker-owned and operated food cooperative located at 1745 Folsom Street in the Mission District of San Francisco. Let's hear what locals have to say about Rainbow Grocery. Their bulk section is dope AF. I love their their variety of cheese and home decor items uh, and this of unique items that you can't find anywhere else. Their cheese section is insane. I love Rainbow Grocery because it's the number one grocery store to shop at when you're having a potluck and need to fulfill everyone's dietary needs. They don't have meat. Rainbow Grocery Cooperative, an amazing San Francisco staple since 1975. For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bear Exoskeleton Contessa. 
and check your horror horoscope on Horoscope. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com. Timstesseract.com. Check, 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 check. So you want to be a comic? It's not as easy as we make it look. But that's because Mutiny Radio has eight hours a week of open mic stage time for all your comedy workout needs. Strain those improv muscles every Sunday from four to six at Getting Sketchy with David Stolowitz. Press out those new jokes every Monday, 6 to 8, on Joke Workshop with four-minute sets and four-minute critiques from everyone. Get positive by host Pam Benjamin. Pump those dick jokes every Thursday, 7 to 9, with True Hustle Thursdays. Hashtag THC. That's hashtag THC. You want more open mics? Fridays, 6 to 8. Happy hour with guest host and George D. Smith. Pew, pew, pew. Four open mics every week at Mutiny Radio, brother. work and take a seat at Asiento, a great place to meet friends, have delicious tapas and drinks, and relax with your neighbors. Located at Bryant and 21st Street in the Deep Mission, Kitty Corner Block from Mutiny Radio. Come and get a drink during the comedy festival and enjoy happy hour pricing all night long with your festival ticket. A great neighborhood bar. Drink, drink around the corner, somewhere else. Not
wimba we a 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 wimba we at the brainwash the mighty brainwash tony sparks And she's also, we're going to be celebrating her recently published. She's also known as K-Flip because she is said to always surprise people and she rocks the paradox. Alright, so we're back and maybe there'll be no more technical difficulties, but who knows? There always is in radio. One of the beautiful um, things about radio is that a lot of the technical difficulties can't be heard by the audience. So there was a squeak in the, uh, the control room, but it actually didn't get out of the air. Uh, well, um, I don't think anybody in our, uh, any of our guests can hear anything right now. We have to 
Oh, well, that's because... Because our studio audience can't hear us, so... No. The, 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 uh, means because our next guest is out in the studio, so a lot of people don't realize it's new, but Mickey Radio has an audience participation space. But because this speaker is brand new, we turned off the volume in the audience section so that uh, she wouldn't have to listen to her voice. It's very distracting if you haven't uh, had a chance to do that before. Ah, uh, okay. So. Well, I guess I won't really be able to interview her then, but, um... Well, we'll just say that, um... She is, uh, like I said, she is called K-Flip because she is said to always surprise people and she rocks the paradox. She's a scientist and teacher by day and a slam poet by night. She has always written poetry, but she's only recently started performing it, which has helped her find her voice and her power. She's a passionate educator and entertainer, and she's excited to share her newfound art and magic with others. Please welcome K-Flip. Harlot, Mel, and more. She can frequently be found marathoning Law and Order SVU, like my grandmother, mm-hmm. on a chaotic, under a chaotic pile of partners and pipples, like my grandmother. You know, she's. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, you know how problematic that show is. I do. <laughs> it sounds like you've studied it. So you know. <laughs> and um, we can find you at Andre Shakti. In various places, Twitter, Facebook, and you have your own website, andreshaktixxx.com, which people should be careful if they're viewing it on an open computer. And um, (laughs) welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about, tell us about you, tell us about who you are, your journey, where you came from, and how you came to be the magnificent creature we see in front of us. Oh, you're you're too kind, and also I'm I'm trying to. I frequently joke with my my one of my partners that um, their energy level is like a nine or a ten, and mine is always at like a five or six. And I'm like, you know, you're doing that thing again where your energy level. And I'm, so I'm trying to match your energy level for Wednesday night. I'm like, I'm here, I'm here. I got this. I got caffeine in my system. I'm doing good. Um, well, be you. I mean, if if you're like chill, that's that's fine. Oh, I'll get into it. Don't worry. I, there's nothing like talking about chill. sex wakes me up. There really is there nothing nothing like this. Um, well, I'm from New Jersey, the wonderful, beautiful garden state of New Jersey. Very um, nice. And uh, I uh, went to college in Baltimore, um, and I am pretty much bi-coastal right now. This year has been very, very bi-coastal for me. I have um, a lot of fondness for uh, both where I grew up and where I went to school. Um, mm. And also, uh, the East Coast is really great and fortuitous financially for mm. sex workers because it's not so oversaturated like yes. San Francisco out here. So uh, I go back there pretty frequently um uh and i have been in the sex industry for a decade i just turned 28 recently and i've been working since i was 18 Mm. Uh, i started off as a stripper in college the old putting yourself through school cliche (laughs) um 
And then kind of uh, what I affectionately refer to as like the sex worker snowball effect happened, which is where you get involved in one facet of the industry and then you are inundated with people from different other mm. facets of the industry and you just get more and more opportunities presented to you. You find out more and more about your own sexuality and your own comfort levels, your own boundaries and desires, and you start picking up kind of other areas of the industry like a snowball rolling down, mm. you know, an avalanche <laughs> hill. Um, and so I got into uh, fetish modeling, burlesque performance, um, webcam modeling, uh, uh, pornographic performance, and professional domination work. Um, those last two were about four years ago, and those are still kind of my bread and butter um, today, uh, besides writing. And, and, and so you started, did you start doing that work while you were on the East Coast, or that was once you came out to the Bay Area? So I got really heavily involved in the kink and BDSM community on the East Coast. I started attending, um, when I was about 19 or 20, uh, some events run by a company called Dark Odyssey. Um, ah, yes. <laughs> and I met a lot of sex workers through Dark Odyssey because previously living in Baltimore City, the only sex workers that I knew were the other strippers that I danced with at the club. So there was mm. no real like conscious entity of sex workers or like visible or politically active um, community in Baltimore. And I was really craving that. And uh, I, I heard you guys talking about kink.com earlier on the show with Madison. Um, kink was my first foray into the porn scene. Uh, for the first year I was in the industry, I was flying out to San Francisco every other month to shoot for them. And then after about a year, that got really tedious. <laughs> and um, I decided that I also really wanted to be around a more vibrant, visible, um, socially accepted group of sex workers. And so I made the decision to move out here about mm -hmm. three and a half years ago. Yeah. I think there's always that dichotomy, you know, because I'm also from the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I was back there and trying to, like, be a sex educator and be all like, you know, like trying to do all these sex positive things and just not feeling like I was really ever finding the communities that were really that, you know, supportive of that. But there was always that thing of like, you know, and then I'd come out here and be like, oh, my God, so amazing. But then it was like, well, but they need me back there. Yeah. And then you come out here and, you know, now. I'm almost like kind of like, oh, but all right, I could teach a class on polyamory and, you know, so yeah. it's like, like you're saying the saturation thing and, you know, I say, so there's that dichotomy between like support, but you know, the reality of the saturation and the reality of being able to work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, being out here, on one hand, it provides so many unique opportunities because all of the, all, so much progress is being done out on the West Coast in regards to sexual health education and, um, and advocacy around sexual pleasure and sex work. All of the change is happening out here, but the change needs to be happening on the East Coast. So what oftentimes happen is there's like a mass exodus of uh, freaks and geeks, like queers and sex workers and um, all kinds of alternative folks uh, who escape to the West Coast to kind of find themselves and settle in and figure out which trajectory they're going to follow. Are they going to teach? Are they going to write? Are they going to do activism? Are they going to make art? What are they going to do? And then once you're out here and you you're here for a few years and you find your people and you find your connections and you start, you know, generating your business and your income and getting comfortable in that, it kind of at some point turns into a complacency and 
when I get together with other sex educators out here, even sex educators that are way more prolific than I am, who've been in the industry for far longer, sometimes it kind of just feels like this endless like circle jerk <laughs> of like everyone just sitting around and like stroking each other off and telling each other how like amazing the curricula they're bringing to like these poor Midwesterners or these mm. poor Southerners or these poor East Coasters is changing their lives. And I am actually in a point in my life where I'm trying to move or figure out where I'm going to go when I'm done with California, which is probably going to be sooner rather than later. Um, It's like when you're a kid and you like come out as gay, like when Mm -hmm. you're like, you know, 17 and you're like wearing rainbow pride everything for the first like year or two of your (laughs) life. And then you like settle into your identity. I just feel like that's very much what's been happening with me. And now I have turned sustainable Mm -hmm. and realized that, I'm maybe not making the change that I want to make out in California because mm. it's kind of like beating a dead horse well, in a way. But, but, uh, one of the things that, in, that I find interesting is, uh, you know, kink and, and be, uh, sex workers in San Francisco mm-hmm. are kind of like, you know, waiters in Los Angeles. Everybody's one. Mm-hmm. And so you've differentiated yourself because there's a ton of people that are actually legitimate uh, not, not that, I mean, they are, they're substantial educators who are doing it for free, but you've made, you successfully made this a profit, uh, you know, uh, sustainable, um, a career for you. And how did you, how did you separate yourself from all the, the rest of the stuff that's out there? Yeah. I feel like before I answer you, I should know what your name is. Oh, uh, Will to Fly. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so yeah. nice to meet you. I'm Andre. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I feel like the the big struggle once you've no matter what steps you've taken to um, to get to a place where you are teaching other people about sexual health education, um, I think that the the struggle now, at least for me and so many educators I know who are kind of on the same level as I am, is figuring out a way to create a body of work that makes money when we are not actively working. So like I have reached a point where I. Kind of Madison was talking earlier about how she say yes to everything, mm-hmm. and now she's much more intentional and conscious of like the decisions that she makes in terms of committing to to work gigs and whatnot. And um, that is very much what has happened to me in the past year. I've slowed down. I've taken work much more intentionally. Um, I I am almost uh, I almost never take work for it quote unquote exposure, making like my big air quote <laughs> right now, uh, exposure or trade or, um, or, you know, publicity or whatever people try and rope other artists mm-hmm. and, uh, and sex educators into doing things for free. Um, and, uh, and now it's really a battle of how to, um, create a body of work that makes money when I, um, do not have to run around like a chicken with its head cut mm-hmm. off, you know, for 22 hours out of the day. And Madison and I were chatting outside. Um, she's done such a great job with that in terms of her book. She's created an, an extra revenue for herself that works when she doesn't have to. Um, and for me, since my primary sources of income are still like actual sex work, uh, teaching live classes and, um, and, uh, like piecemeal journalism, just freelance journalism, um, that all still requires me to be running at a hundred miles an hour in order to make that profit. So, um, right now I'm looking at 
uh, creating webinars, like the idea of webinars. Mm -hmm. um, I'm looking at creating um, video series, starting to videotape my workshops and making those marketable um, to folks, particularly around non-monogamy. Um, and so that's kind of the stuff that's bouncing around my head right now in terms of like, how do I keep stretching this out for another two, five, 10, 15 years? Mm -hmm. And if you could do anything, <laughs> just, yeah, you know, this fantasy here, mm -hmm. but yeah, if you, if you could do anything, what would you do? I have to say I'm, I'm really close to living my dream right now, but mm. if I had to pick one thing of like all the things that I do, it would probably be to talk to people about non-monogamy. Mm. Um, I would love to make a full-time job out of, uh, doing non-monogamy visibility and advocacy work out of counseling mm. folks on non-monogamy, um, mm. relationship coaching, that kind of thing. That's kind of, it's been my passion for especially the last year in mm. education. You could spend your entire career talking to non-monogamous folks, folks about how many versions <laughs> of non-monogamy there are. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's, it's limitless. It's limitless. Yes. We've tried to chart it and it's just off the charts. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Or, or yes. time management. That's a big one. So you could, yes. The, yeah. the, the infamous Google calendar, which is no longer a novelty, but kind yes. of a requirement to be a, a, a functional human being these mm -hmm. days. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, that was a, that was something that was very, um, that was very much a part of like my repertoire for a long time. You know, I was, I have been in some form of non-monogamous relationships since I was a teenager and I first heard about it. And my mom was like, Hey, there's this thing called polyamory. Your you mom try said that? Yes. Go mom. Yes. My mom introduced <laughs> me to polyamory. Holy shit. She was, she was exploring it herself. And, you know, she said that to me and my, my boyfriend we were teenagers and <laughs> That was a very interesting right. turning point in our relationship. But, um, you know, so I've always kind of had that. To me, it's been very natural. You know, it's like a... Good for you. you you're know. like the, uh, you're the anomaly. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> hey, everybody. Listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Subliminal 
Visual SF brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcast. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. While the tank is circling the base. Corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks.